Hello, this is Judy Rodman. You're listening to All Things Vocal Podcast. This is the audio version of the blog you can find at judyrodman.com. For today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing the amazing Bree Noble. She is a creator and host of Women of Substance Radio, which hit number one on iTunes in new and noteworthy for the music, arts, society, and culture categories, and number four on audio podcasts on all of iTunes. Wow. She has a second amazing podcast called Female Entrepreneur Musician. On her website, you'll see several music business training programs, including her Female Musician Academy. But male or female, I think you, my dear listener, are going to want to hear what she has to tell us today. Formerly director of finance for a premier opera company, songwriter, touring artist, public speaker, and entrepreneur with success in all areas. I think we could safely define Brie as a true Renaissance woman with a mission to mentor others. Here now is our interview. Hi, Brie. First of all, <laughs> did I get all that correct about you? Oh, my gosh. All correct and more. Like, I don't think anyone's ever called me a Renaissance woman. That was awesome. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you were due. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, oh, no, it's amazing. And it's, it's been lovely to kind of catch up on you and read up about you and check into everything you do. I swear, I thought I did a lot of stuff, but <laughs> you, are, you are really... You really got a multiple thing going there. So you have two podcasts. Uh, tell us about uh, both of those podcasts. Sure. So I have my first podcast that I started in uh, like November of 2014 is the Women of Substance Music Podcast. And that grew out of Women of Substance Radio that I started in 2007, which is all about shining a spotlight on female independent artists because I felt like there was so many great artists out there and they just weren't getting the platform that they deserved. So I created the podcast to spotlight the indies specifically. And, you know, we play like seven to nine songs three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the podcast, always introducing new songs in all kinds of genres uh, by, of course, female artists or female fronted bands. And I always talk a little bit about the artists, let people know a little bit of interesting tidbits about them. Yeah. And you even give purchase links to the music that you play on that one. That's amazing. I do. I do. I mean, I, what I really want is, you know, for people to go find these artists and, and buy their music and enjoy them. What a concept. <laughs> yeah. And so in 2015, I launched the Female Entrepreneur Musician, which I did in order to help female artists to really get inspired and educated by other female artists that are doing what they want to do. So I, w- I worked with all, all these women and women of substance over the years and saw that there's so many really talented female artists, but a lot of them just didn't know how to get themselves out there. They didn't know how to market to really run themselves like a business and an entrepreneur. And they needed a little bit of inspiration and training. And so that's what that podcast is all about. I do kind of training stuff once a week on Thursdays that comes out, you know, on different subjects. And then um, every other Monday I do interviews with indie female artists or females that work in, in the music industry. Right. You know, that's so interesting that you've, you've hit upon an issue, I think, with all kinds of artists, male or female, and that is 
many really, really creative people are really, really lousy business people. (laughs) Sometimes creative entities are sort of brought dragging their feet and kicking and screaming even into the fact that if they want to be successful and not just do it for their own listening pleasure, they're going to have to become business people and somehow marry the two. And I think that's what I see you doing. Yeah, that's my goal. I mean, obviously, I have a background in both. I have a dual degree in vocal performance and business with an emphasis in accounting and management. But the funny part is when I went solo as a musician, it's almost like all that business stuff went out the window. I'm like, okay, now I'm a musician, you know, and I wasn't thinking like I need to, to market myself and I need to Um, you know, run it like a business. And I was thinking, like a lot of artists do, I just need to get my music out there. And then someone will discover me and then they'll just handle my career and I'll just make music. Exactly. I always tell people, you got to do two things right, the music and the industry. Mm -hmm. You've got to also separate them, I think. Uh, Whereas when you're doing music, you know, don't worry about what the industry is going to think about you. Otherwise, you're liable just to be a vanilla wafer copy of someone else. But if you're doing your music and you're gaining ability in your gifts, whether it's playing or singing or writing, that's a whole different thing. I mean, if Van Gogh had worried about the industry, uh, he would never have painted those beautiful things. It's almost a a left brain, right brain thing, which of course has been disproven anatomically, but the metaphor still works. We've got to have both both hemispheres working if we want to be successful at the arts. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I mean, the thing is you can make the best music in the world, but if nobody knows about it, then it's just you and your music. And that's really sad, like for you and for the world. Right. Okay, so what are some differences between subjects or discussion angles for your blog and uh, your entrepreneur podcast that you would choose for female as opposed to male artists? And how beneficial would it be for guys to eavesdrop? (laughs) Well, I think it's very beneficial for guys to eavesdrop, and a lot of them do. And they contact me and they say, is it okay (laughs) that I listen to your podcast? (laughs) You know, there's a lot that's the same, right? And So some of it is I just want to highlight women, but there are some things that I think women have a harder time with. I think that, number one, I think women really appreciate inspirational stories, and I think it really really affects us and makes us think that we, you know, we we can do it if they can do it. I don't know that, that men as much need that inspiration. I think they just kind of somehow have this internal drive. Um, And we have a drive too, but sometimes we're always second guessing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps to have that inspiration and have those like role models that we can pattern ourselves after the like, okay, she can do it. So can I. Right. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, One of the things is there's an old wife's tale. I think it's more of a husband's tale out there that female artists don't sell. And I'm thinking of a lot of really very successful female artists that sell their butts off. So I don't know where it comes from. You know, yeah, there are more males in the marketplace. But, you know, how do you counter that in the brain, in the psyche of the female artists that you're working with? Well, there are definitely a lot more males in the marketplace, even in the indie marketplace. Like if I if I look around at like sites where indies are being featured, it is just so overrun by male artists. I don't know what it is. 
uh, let's say it's about like 80, 20 or 75, 25, maybe. Mm. I'm not sure if that's because women, you know, are more fearful of putting themselves out there and maybe they're doing it, but they're just not showing themselves. I don't know. But I definitely think that in the last few years in the big industry, in the, the one that everybody sees, there have been some female artists like Adele and Taylor Swift and people like that that have really proven that wrong. You know, they really can sell. They really have huge fan bases. They're international. But what I would say about the idea of, you know, women don't sell for indies is it doesn't matter what people say. What it matters is what goes on between you and your fans. Right. And, you know, as a DIY artist these days, we have so many tools at our disposal to get right in front of our fans and to find our fans and not rely on, you know, if radio says, oh, we don't play women because they don't sell, fine, we'll just go to indie radio or we'll yeah. just do Facebook ads or, you know what I mean? We'll, we have all these tools that we can go around all those people that all those naysayers and all those people with the roadblocks. Yeah. There's one uh, thing that industry is not playing female artists, but there's another thing to think that people are not buying or listening to female artists. And sometimes I think the bottleneck is kind of at an industry that has been male based and becomes uh, the gatekeepers, you know, for the listening ears. I can't really believe that people want to listen to more male songs than female songs. I think the issue is more at the industry level than at the listening ear level. So that yeah, sure. if we can find a way to break through the bottleneck and get straight to the fan bases. And again, that's where, you know, you come in, your training comes in to help people do that. Yep. Um, we don't have to pay attention to those gates anymore. It's kind of a catch-22 because that means oh, a lot of cattle getting through uh, and some of, the, some of the artists are not very good. But, That's true. But that means that, you know, you can get through. Seth Godin, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's one of my favorite marketing gurus. And I'll never forget something he said somewhere on one of his blog posts, which was selling should be a holy art. You know, marketing, promotion, it's really selling. It, he means that it should be a holy art because you're actually letting people know something that can make your world a better place. Right. So if you have the goods, you're doing the world a favor by letting them know that you got it. But with all the noise out there and all the bad music, quite frankly, out there and bad vocals, bad songs, I think the good need to pay attention even more to how to get heard and noticed and let people know that they're out there. Yeah, absolutely. Because I curate all of that. Like I have listened to every single one of those songs before I put them on the air and said, awesome. For some reason this song is good enough to be on this, this channel. And, you know, maybe it's not my favorite genre or, you know, maybe it's not perfectly produced, but there's something about this song that I think is worth hearing. And I'm wading through all the crap to bring the good stuff to people so they don't have to. Yeah. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so let's move on to what do you think off the top of your head are the biggest fears that female artists need to confront and conquer for success? Oh, I would definitely say, and you know, I've got lots of experience with this because I, I run the academy and I'm, you know, talking mm. to female artists all the time. And the big one is they're afraid to put themselves out there because they're afraid of haters. Oh, yeah. Mm. you know, guess what? Like we all have haters. I always try to say that 
your first hater is like a badge of honor because it means you actually put yourself out there enough to reach enough people that you found a hater. Now, oh, that's a great way to think of it. <laughs> and I would add, if not for the haters, Taylor Swift wouldn't have a career because she wouldn't have had anything to be empathetic with, with people in her age group. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a good way to think of it, Bree. But it is scary when you put yourself out on Facebook Live and somebody comes on live and starts insulting you for some reason. And, you know, it's like, okay, how do I handle this? Do I ignore them? Do I, you know, and whenever you put yourself out there, you're always taking a chance that someone's going to, you know, be mean. Mm -hmm. Just for the sake of being mean. It's like that's yeah. the to be mean. Sometimes I wonder, like, what are you getting out of this? Why, why do you feel that you need to bash someone? Yeah. Yeah, I think a, a big training that female artists do need is, is how to handle that. It happens with female journalists. Uh, how, first of all, how do you protect your own heart? Right. Uh, which probably is more of a female thing than a male thing. Not that males don't have hearts, but you know what I mean? We kind of wear ours on our sleeve a little bit more, and it can be a little bit more personal to us. And we have to figure out how to develop thicker skins. At the same time, we do need to protect ourselves, especially young artists the, the industry wants them to look like sex symbols, but then when right. they do, they become vulnerable to predators, quite frankly. So oh, I think it's important, like when you first start out, don't read your YouTube comments. There's going to be weird people on there that make fun of the way you look or, you know, all kinds of things. But I do think that you need to learn to expose yourself to it slowly. And like you said, develop a thicker skin, because if yeah. you keep putting yourself out there, you're, you're going to keep getting weird trolls like that and you have to learn how to deal with them i actually just got an email yesterday and i was so shocked by it because i haven't gotten an email like that in a long time but it was just one of those like who do you think you are your stuff is crap you don't know what you're talking about and you know i was able to say because i've now developed this thicker skin which i didn't have a few years ago i might have like stuffed my face with ice cream or something afterward if i got <laughs> But, you know, yesterday I was just like, if you don't like it, leave the room. Like, what are you getting out of sending me this email? Because it's, it's, right. it's all about you. I don't care. Right. Yeah, I just got trolled myself at a concert, which was so weird. It was like we had nothing to do with anything, except that this was a person who wanted another artist to be on stage instead of me or something. But, right. uh, I mean, it's, it's going to happen. I, I just deleted her, you know, from everything I could delete her from and didn't respond at all. And what yep. I did was I used it for the sake of my artist because I'm kind of, I'm a mentor too. If we're a teacher in the arts, you know, we, we, we mentor more than the, the gifts. We mentor the, the poor little soul that's coming in to try to get better. So I used it for a, a post on trolling on my all things vocal blog. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what are some factors that have not changed for the music business, marketing and promotion, uh, and a couple that have changed? Well, I think one major thing that hasn't changed is that the music business is all about relationships. Yeah, I agree. And it's just now that, that it's not just relationships with the industry leaders and radio and all that, but it's also, in, you know, relationships with your fans. Mm -hmm. And you, can, you have the ability to actually, you know, directly interface with fans now. And so it's all about being able to put yourself out there enough and be vulnerable enough while still maintaining like, you know, your personal life and your autonomy, but making it genuine. 
making Mm -hmm. sure, you know, they know that it's really you that they're talking to and not just some like fake stage persona. And the same thing with industry people, like be genuine. And if you find people that you don't think are genuine or you just don't like, then just move on to someone else. Because let me tell you, there's plenty of people out there that I work with that are awesome and that you would want to work with. So why deal with the people that are crappy? Right. Yeah. And that, that brings up something else that I've thought about a lot too, especially with female artists, but any artist, you have to be, like you say, genuine and fans feel like they know you or that that you could be their friend for real, but to give enough of yourself, but not give too much so that you always have that private part of yourself and that the public is not due all of yourself, you know, to reserve and protect your private life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, and artists ask me that a lot, like how much should I share? Mm -hmm. I personally, I love sharing like inspirational things. I love sharing failure stories that I think someone can learn from. I, I love sharing stuff about my childhood. I share some things about my relationships with my kids and, and how we interact. But one thing I really never share is much about my relationship with my husband. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like that's private, you know, that mm-hmm. I don't be airing all my romantic, dirty laundry, you know, <laughs> out in the world. And yeah. so I think that we, we need to find those things that we do feel are sacrosanct and there's no reason we have to share every little detail. But other than that, I love to be, you know, pretty authentic about most, most other things that are going on with me. Yeah. I'm the same way with the internet, especially if if there's something I'm thinking about putting on the internet that I wouldn't want anybody to see, I'm not going to put it on the internet, but I hear enough on the internet so that people can know that they trust, they can trust me. They would like me. And that I know what I'm talking about. I don't treat it like some people do. I think it's very important not to think of it as a safe place, uh, right. a safe place you can share every little thought that you have, especially anything negative or, you know, you have a temporary tantrum about something or a temporary feud with someone or something like that, you know, because it lives forever. Oh, I know. Some people use the internet like therapy, you know, yeah. they just, they dump everything there and then they feel better. But they forget that everybody can still continue to read that and they might not feel the same way tomorrow after they feel better, you know? Right. right. I know I've mentioned to my artists before, like, yeah, it's cool to share your, your failures and your frustrations because it makes you feel authentic, but always put a positive spin on that. Like yeah. your, your fans don't want to come to you and have a downer experience. Right. They okay. can learn from it. That's great. I think that's a good idea when they're choosing the songs to write and record and perform too. Cause I've made that mistake uh, where you're doing therapy by writing some songs, but really it's like, why would somebody want to hear that? <laughs> uh, or, you know, it promotes hate or murder or things. Right. Like that. All right. So let's talk about navigating the ups and downs of the music business careers, because I know with mine, you know, what comes up is going to come down (laughs) and you've got a long life, you know, usually a major career as far as being in the limelight at the top of the world only lasts, if you're lucky, two or three years. Hmm. You find that true? I would say if we're talking like extreme limelight, I mean, I I don't actually really coach people that way. I coach people for, for long-term 
term success that is not going to be based on fame you know it's going to awesome. be like but yeah I, I teach having a lot of different streams of income as a musician because that's that's what we have to do to survive really so having a few streams of income that are constant whether it's you know creating a patreon fan base or um, having private students you know or having a residency somewhere like have something that is constant in your income repertoire so you're not constantly freaked out about where the next dollar is coming from mm -hmm. right. you know you've always got this base that you can fall back on right and if you are not big enough to where you can hire your own financial manager you've got to learn to be your own financial manager so that during the, the up years you're sort of socking it away for the down years you know? oh definitely yep and that that is hard hard for musicians for sure because sometimes you feel like there's there's not enough money to go around you know right and that kind of leads me into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, which is what I would call a prosperous journey, having a prosperous journey in life, which doesn't have anything to do with money, but does have to do with getting, you know, the things that a person needs, like, you know, love and, and, and security and a place to live and things like that and fulfillment. However, I have heard people say and give this advice to, to artists, and I just don't agree with it. I wonder if you did. And that is that they have to choose between having a personal life and having a career. Oh, I definitely don't think you do. And if you, if you do, I think you're just going to be unhappy because I think that so many times we'll like put our personal life aside in order to push through and you've got this goal in mind and you're going to get there and you're going to get there. And then when you get there, you're like, I made it to the top, but I'm all by myself. This isn't oh, very, yeah. you know? Oh yeah. Songs have been written about that. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, I mean, I definitely think, especially as a woman, like I know that we feel this pull between family and, you know, and the career and then like, oh, you know, we've grown up in the era where we feel like we also should be working in the corporate world. And so should we try to do both? You know, there's so many things that pull at us, but it definitely can be done. I mean, I, when I was a touring singer songwriter, I had little kids, you know, I made my first album when my daughter was two Yeah, and I drug them on tour with me and I made it work. I did too. I did too. <laughs> my son was seven when we went on the road. Mm. <laughs> they know? learn a lot. They get to see more than their little, their little neck of the woods. Can you give us a future projection that we should ready ourselves for? Yeah, I think I can. And this is a very specific one, but I think even more direct to fan conversations are going to be important in the future. And I mean things like using Facebook Messenger to mm -hmm. get, you know, messages right in their inbox and, and communicating with people like right as things happen. You know, I'm going live right now. You send them a message. They jump on. You know, I've got a gig tonight. You send it to them in Facebook Messenger and they can come to the gig. Yeah. There's going to be so many more ways that we can communicate with the right people at the right time in the right way for them. Well, we're on a need to know basis. And unfortunately we need to know. <laughs> yeah. So we have to be entrepreneurs and we have to be uh, tech wizards and uh, all that kind of stuff. I've had to learn to be a videographer and retouch my own photos and things like that oh, yeah you know i was i was talking uh, i had some students yesterday we were talking about facebook ads and we were you know trying to go through their copy and they were saying like you know oh my music is similar to joni mitchell and judy collins and then they're like 
Now, Joni Mitchell and Judy Collins never had to learn all this stuff. They didn't have to learn Facebook ads and how to navigate social media. They just made music and, you know, people just got it out there in the world for them. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah that, that is some ways that it's completely different. But also, they didn't have as much control over their own career. Exactly. That's the payoff is that yep. we, can, we have a lot more control and we have the ability to get through the bottlenecks that we did not have before. So got to take the good with the bad, I suppose. And I think so. Use our energies. But uh, it's counterproductive to whine. So <laughs> it's just like you got to get really good at both craft and at current industry practices. And uh, Bree, I, I think your services and your training courses and your podcast, both your podcasts, are incredible ways for people to do that. So uh, tell us more about how a female listener out there could submit music for your Women of Substance podcast. For sure. So you just can go to uh, wosradio.com and there's a banner across the top that you can click on to submit music. If you scroll down a little bit, there's a submit music button. Um, we give you tons of different ways that you can submit some platforms and things that you can use. Um, so just click on that button. It'll take you to the page and it'll tell you exactly how to submit. We have a review board that goes through all the music because we get a lot of it. And then I, you know, I always listen to every single song before it's down to awesome. the fire of choosing it. That's great. Okay. Tell us about your female musician Academy. That looks very interesting to me. Yeah, it is a great community of really engaged, um, excited, and helpful, supportive female musicians who are at all kinds of different levels. I mean, we've got people that are just starting out to people that, you know, have a full-time career in music as a DIY. Um, we also have people of every age. We've got people down to age, you know, 16 all the way up to 70. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. It's really awesome because there's so much mentoring that can go on, not even just in, in music, but in like every facet of life with having the different age groups in there. Mm -hmm. and of course, we've got tons of training for everybody at the level that they're at. And two times a month, we do group coaching calls. Where we all get on a Zoom and, you know, answer everybody's questions. And we bring in experts to help with specific topics and so it's just a, it's a constant learning environment, but it's also more importantly, a constant support environment for women only, where you can feel like totally safe and, and not worry about being authentic. You can show up for your, our coaching calls in your pajamas without makeup on and not worry about someone oh, judging. awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, where can folks find you and all this stuff that we've been talking about from the podcast and the and the training programs and everything else. Where can they find you online? Is there a particular website? Yes. The best place is to go to femmusician.com. That's F as in female. E as an entrepreneur, musician.com. And that's where they can uh, listen to the podcast, the female entrepreneur musician, as well as got a ton of free trainings and free resources there. So you can get a taste of what's going on and, and see where you might fit into our community. Awesome. All right. Well, this is Judy Rodman. And again, my guest today has been Bree Noble. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, I could really use your support. Please leave a review at iTunes or wherever you listen to it. If your vocal ability and health matter to you, check out my products and services at www.judyrodman.com. 
Thanks for listening. See you next time on All Things Vocal, the podcast for singers, speakers, vocal coaches, and studio producers.